characters in this work are purely fictitious. Any resemblance to real persons, events, or locations is coincidental and unintended. The views and actions expressed by the characters do not reflect the beliefs or values of high-risk LLC or its affiliates. Welcome to the Shammies, year 2030. Brought to you by Liza. I hope you have your bug protein and VR goggles ready as you sit there owning nothing because you're in for a treat tonight. We have many celebrities in the house that we tell you you care about and they pretend to care about you. And they're definitely not mouthpieces of their puppet masters used to promote various vested interests. Definitely not that. So without further ado, let's get into our first category. And the best rap group of the year award goes to... The Backstreet Boys. You'll own nothing and be happy. I'm your new mommy and daddy. See what happens if you getting in the way of what we planning. Extort the house and Senate. Implement a social credit. You can see where this is headed. It's a global Armageddon. Lock them down. Hello and welcome to Rounding the Earth. Uh, we have a different kind of show today. Uh, we are going to we're going to go real politics today. Uh, we're going to talk about trust, the game theory of trust, and what's going on in the medical freedom movement. Uh, I think it's time to take a very serious tone about all of this. And uh, I, I'm going to start with Robert Malone, because, you know, not because uh, I, I'm picking sides in any kind of a partisan battle, but because uh, things that he said recently in the conversation around him uh, may make for the best possible lesson in game theory which is crucially important. Game theory, it, it's, you might call it the mathematics of trust between rational agents or what we call rational agents, whether or not we behave that way all the time. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll get into that gradually. Uh, the video that you just saw, you've got JP Sears at the start. There's a musician called Hi Res who made this video that just came out the other day and it involved uh, Robert Malone. And if, if you saw it, the person who was checking everybody as they came in the door, uh, that's actually somebody who's, uh, who's been somewhat famous in the medical freedom movement named Aaron Olszewski. I hope I'm saying that last name right. Um, maybe I'll call her uh, Aaron O. Uh, no, I'll, I'll try to say Olszewski, probably Olszewski, something like that. And um, Aaron Olszewski has, um, well, you know, I'm, I'm just going to play the beginning of this next video and give you a sense of who she is. It's my job in the Army. I was actually trained at the John F. Kennedy Special Warfare Center in Fort Bragg in psychological operations. Okay, so she is somebody, um, here, here's what we know about her story. She uh, joined the military, apparently as a teenager, um, you know, maybe right out of high school and went and was in Iraq. She said she did undercover work there, though that's not the way she originally presented her work uh, in 2020 when the spotlights came on, when everybody was talking about uh, the pandemonium and, and what we knew at the time. Um, she was, uh, she, in, in 2018, she was a nurse living in Wisconsin, and we'll talk about Wisconsin in a moment, uh, but she moved to Clearwater, Florida. Clearwater, Florida happens to be the um, 
the hometown of Scientology in a sense. That's where Flag is located. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard, who created the Church of Scientology, used to used to just you know sail around on his boat. Uh, right, his, his inner circle was called Sea Org, and his boat was the flagship. And when he got tired of being out in the ocean all the time, uh, he picked Clearwater, Florida, as uh, the location of Flag, and they've got this giant building there. Um, we'll actually take a picture, uh, take a look at a picture of it later on. Um, this giant building, and then later on, he moved to Wisconsin. So it's kind of an interesting coincidence that Aaron Olszewski happened to move from um, one place that L. Ron Hubbard had uh, established Scientology in a big way to Clearwater, Florida, which has about ten thousand Scientologists out of a little over a hundred thousand person population kind of a hotbed for Scientology. And I would ask people to, um, even though I'm not going to get deep into it, I did this you know, a little bit deeper this past Wednesday night uh, on our Locals channel, but I would encourage people to check out the connections between Scientology and U.S. intelligence, possibly the U.S. military. I mean, here we, here we are. We've got, uh, uh, you know, the person who, who's billed herself as the undercover nurse, sold the book, uh, went to New York, um, you know, videoed some of what was going on in hospitals there. Um, but, you know, even before that, between 2018 uh, and 2020, what was going on with her? She, uh, almost right after she got to Florida, she immediately began participating in activism on a level that would have been very hard to even, to even get connected with. Specifically, in March of 2019, she flew out to California where attorney Lee Dundas, and that was who presented next to Thomas Rents at the Senator Johnson hearing last year in January, uh, Aaron Olszewski went out to California and was filming Lee Dundas doing activism work as the uh, bill, I believe it was SB 276 in California, uh, was getting pushed through. So that's kind of an interesting connection that highly suggests that Aaron Olszewski is not only, not only was she trained in, uh, in a, at a POG, Fort Bragg, that's uh, the center of where the propaganda operations groups work in the U.S. military, um, but, but seems likely to be connected to the Church of Scientology, if not Scientologists. And there's been this question about whether Lee Dundas is a Scientologist. And I don't know if she's if she's answered that question publicly. I've heard that she answered that she's no longer a Scientologist. But it, you know, here we have this interesting connection to Clearwater, Florida, and somebody ready to jump up and fly to California and go film her doing activism work in 2019 uh, when she had just jumped into vaccine activism from human trafficking, where she was working for an organization called A21 which is specifically run by one of the Hillsong Church elders. And that's the same Hillsong Church that has had uh, a whole lot of uh, sex scandals in its background, including, I believe, the founder. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe the founder um, was uh, outed as a pedophile at some point. So it's a very strange thing that, it, that an elder of Hillsong Church would be running a, a child sex trafficking, uh, anti-child sex trafficking NGO. But, um, but that's... Apparently where Lee Dundas was working before suddenly in 2019, she's in California fighting against a vaccine um, exclusion bill. Uh, and Aaron Olszewski is flying out to film her and, and get involved there. And then here we have Aaron Olszewski in a rap music video with Dr. Robert Malone and Jill Malone. 
and, uh, and he's he's saying wonderful things about her on Twitter. Uh, Robert Malone is saying wonderful things about Aaron on Twitter. Uh, it's an interesting thing, though, because um, Aaron Olszewski being connected to Lee Dundas means that she is connected through Lee Dundas to Carolina Benita, whom Robert Malone specifically had investigated and was writing on his Substack about um, about you know people should stay away from this woman. There's you know lots of crazy stuff going on around her uh, with with the Themis report and then and later the Benita report. So you know, just throwing all that out there. We'll talk about that a little bit more. I just want people to be able to begin thinking through the associations and think about um, whether or not there is, I don't know, more going on behind the scenes than people might imagine. Now, uh, give me one moment here. I'm going to pull up a slideshow that I prepared for today. Sorry, I should have had this... uh, should have had this pulled up prepared before time, but we've got a few moving parts here today. There we go. I'll just do it this way. Um, really, really and truly, what I want to talk about most of all is trust and the game theory of trust. You know, how is it that you can and should trust somebody? And I, maybe a couple of months ago, Robert Malone had published on his Substack saying um, people should just trust him. You know, like like he, he said, I don't know the exact quote, but he said something like, you know, I'd have to give trust. Uh, you know, I have to get trust in order to give trust. But, you know, let's go back a couple of months before that. And Robert Malone's opinion on trust seems to be that trust is earned. Right. That. um that you should see somebody's actions, I, at least this is how I interpret it, see somebody's actions, decide what you think uh, based on those actions, and then you can trust a person. Okay, does that have a game theoretic basis? It does, we'll talk about that pretty soon. Uh, in the meantime, he seems to have gotten into this topic of the battlefield of the mind, um, though he doesn't seem to be really applying it to himself. I, I feel like this is something that should happen. I feel like if you're gonna, if you're gonna go on a topic like this, you should and and you and you're vying for leadership on some very large scale level and maybe i'll go there right now i mean uh he he's backing uh bobby kennedy jr for president it seems he's definitely very involved in that crowd uh the second time i met robert malone was at children's health defense and my wife and i sat down and ate lunch with he and jill um while they were uh, avoiding the crowds understandably um but it, 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 this seems to have taken a sort of a weird turn. I mean, um, you know, fifth generation warfare was something right when Robert Malone started talking about it. I'd been, I'd spent uh, two years, you know, calling around trying to talk with people. In fact, go back further than that. I actually uh, tried to in in 2018. I was trying to get Brett Weinstein to to um, to pay more attention to this, and I'll talk about that when I bring up an article. Um, that I've got later, but he he didn't really reply to me. I, I was trying to tell him, you know, something's coming down the pipeline. We have we have a lot of clues about it. And when I began to bring up, or when he brought up um, collectivism, uh, I said, well, you know, it seems like the collectivists are gonna ha- are coming to get us. And he shouted me down. Didn't listen to the rest of what I was gonna say, but uh, I was trying to connect these things, kind of you know, connect these dots to what was going on with the manipulation of parasocial relationships 
and I'll come back to parasocial relationships in a few minutes. Um, but let's see here. Game theory of trust. So, you know, do we, do we like Robert Malone's old view of trust where it has to be earned? Or do we like Robert Malone's new view of trust where he should, he should be trusted? And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know exactly, you know, what, what the theory behind that would be or how it would, you know, relate to uh, healthy ecosystem interaction. But I want to point out an article that I wrote um, a few months ago. This is this is actually it, it's one of my articles that got that got the least amount of love, but it's probably one of the most important ones. And I, I didn't have time to do the best job that I could do. I really wish I just had more time in this world to teach game theory, to walk through what's important about game theory. But uh, I'll do just a little bit of that now. If you're not familiar with something called the prisoner's dilemma, uh, if there's anything in this world that you should study in order to understand. Um, in order to understand the big picture, in order to understand trust, it is something called the prisoner's dilemma. It's it's absolutely, you know, people can debate this, but it's absolutely the central, most important key centerpiece of game theory. Game theory is this wonderfully broad topic of how it is you play games in an environment where you have self-interested individuals, mathematics of games, um, built up by John Nash, by the way. Which is interesting because um, you know John Nash, he, he's he's sort of most famous for being a, a schizophrenic mathematician, but people don't talk enough about what he did as a mathematician. And really, he he built out a lot of, um, you know, originally John von Neumann, you know, presented this new game theory, and then uh, I think John Nash, uh, his, his study of equilibria and his study of ideal money, which I think late, later later informed the creators of Bitcoin as to what Bitcoin needed to be. Um, but John Nash is absolutely one of the most important figures of the 20th century in terms of laying out the mathematics of what matters most in politics. And that's with game theory. And here we've got, you know, two by two decision matrix. And I'm going to try to talk through this. Unfortunately, I, I wish I'd had time today to create a better version of this. But Basically, you know, let's company A, company B. I'm going to call me company A and you, the viewer right now. I want you to think about yourself as company B. And let's think about um, what happens if we advertise to, you know, the population. Now, advertising can can be sort of, you know, perhaps we should think of uh, media and advertising as sort of defection. Uh, in, in a sense, if you're cooperative and trusting, you're just part of the e the equilibrium of providers in some, you know, network of professionals in a field. But when you advertise, you're saying I'm better than the others, or I'm going to pay to have my image associated with the industry, right? I mean, at its best, advertising can be education. But let's let's uh, take this model for just a moment, just to explain this one example. Now. If, um, you know, perhaps if we each spend uh, a certain amount of money on advertising, this would be defection, defection, um, then then there are a certain number of new people who become educated in the field and, and we split them. And let's say that that cost is, um, let's say that's negative. Let's say that the amount of money that I get from those 100 new clients is actually less than the amount of money I spend advertising. It, it, let's say that it would have to be 110 have to get 110 uh, new clients. Um, actually, you know what? 
Now let's go further. Uh, no, yeah, I, I'm going to back up. This is how many clients we earn from each other. Let's say that that uh, we're, we're advertising in a field like dentistry where, where pretty much everybody already goes to a dentist. And if I advertise, I get 100 of your clients. If you advertise, you get 100 of my clients. But the advertising costs as much as the profit from 110 clients. So if we both advertise, we swap clients, but we're just paying for advertising. We both lose, right? So why don't we just both not advertise? right? That's the bottom right-hand corner. Then we pay nothing. We have the same number of clients. But here's the thing. If I advertise and you don't, you're better off advertising, right? Look at the screen. Look at company A advertising. Look at that, that first row. If I advertise, then you need to advertise in order not to lose 100 clients, so your best move is to advertise. Your best move is to also defect. So if I don't advertise, your best move is also to advertise because then you get 200 of my clients and I get none of yours. So no matter what I do, your best move is to advertise. And it, it's reciprocal. No matter what you do, my best move is to advertise. So the best move for each of us as an individual is to defect against one another and advertise, in which case the only people who win are the people involved in the advertising process, the media people. So this is a classic prisoner's dilemma where we are both incentivized to make a move that, that hurts us both. So this is really, really important to the idea of trust, right? If you and I have a relationship and there's only one move that we ever get to make in that relationship in terms of value exchange, and, and, and the payouts are such, um, or similar to this, then it is, it behooves us both to defect against the other one. And this is to say that it's not easy to establish trust, right? Because, you know, one-off trust relationships are difficult. And I wrote about this in my article, you know, uh, how is it that we wind up gaining trust? And we gain trust by a series of iterated games where we can uh, we can play low stakes at first too right we can you know grow up as children together playing around one another we can see how it is that that each of us uh reacts in certain situations where we would like to trust each other and then we don't wind up in prisoners dilemmas we wind up with equilibria nash equilibria as they're called uh, where cooperation is preferred and that's most situations in life uh, if you know somebody and you understand, uh, if you have a history of trust with them, most games are uh, do have an equilibrium that is cooperation, cooperation. When you don't know people, when you don't have a series of, of you know, prior moves that you're making with them, then you don't have that and you have a prisoner's dilemma. And this is why it's important that we think of trust as something that happens better close close to us, right? You don't want to give a whole lot of trouble, uh, trust to people who are very far away. This is part of the problem with centralized governance. And I don't know how well I explained that. Maybe I'll do, maybe I'll do like a whole video lesson one day on prisoners dilemmas and iterated prisoners dilemmas. But this relates to um, what I call parasocial Dunbar hacking. And this is an article that I wrote in late uh, 2021. Uh, again, I think this is one of my my more important articles. Um, it, it's the idea that that 
uh, you know, tribes existed insofar as we had a brain. You can see this in other smaller primates. Um, they exist in groups where their brain can handle all of the relationships as individual relationships, as friend relationships, as family relationships. And, uh, and that's where you have, you know, the constant like cooperation, cooperation situations, and everybody just cooperates for the most part. Almost everybody just cooperates. Uh, however, but I, I posited that this system, this natural community state gets hacked by our media. People are presented to us, images of people are presented to us as if they are like a specific member of our tribe, specifically like the chief, right? And anybody with a title, right? I actually warn, uh, I had an article the other day where I warn people, don't get too attached to, you know, using like doctor as a title or something like that. Because what that is, it's, it's, uh, it's the state inserting you into a Dunbar slot that says important to the tribe. And, and that's not the natural development of the game theory of trust, right? Instead of an iteration with that one person, now you sort of, you see iterations you've had with the leaders who are around you, but you ascribe it to that person who says, I'm your leader. So that it, that's really important to understand is that um, what media brings us, even, even the alt media, and then it projects at you over and over and over again, that has a tendency to screw with your head and change the way that, um, that people see, you know, trust with you. So I'm going to go with Robert Mullen's original view of trust, that trust needs to be earned and that, that we have to look at, um, you know, somebody's whole history before we decide what it is that we're doing. And I think that we have not yet vetted Robert Malone's past history well enough. I think that this whole unity thing may even be like an operation to get people to stop, to stop looking into the backgrounds of people like Aaron Olszewski or Olszewski or Lee Dundas or Robert Malone or any, lots of people who have a lot of power at the moment over the millions of people looking for better leadership. And this is crucially important at this moment when Robert F. Kennedy Jr has announced a run for the presidency. And we have um, people who have, who have you know, asserted themselves as leadership in, in the medical freedom movement. And I'm using that term loosely. I know some people don't like it, but it does mean something, right? We know what we're talking about. We all know what we're talking about when we say medical freedom movement. That's, that's the important thing. Um, and you know, these are people who have the ear of Robert F. Kennedy Jr., right? And these are people, you know, Steve Kirsch has this million dollar sub stack, or at least it was, uh, you know, he, he told me that personally a few months ago. Um, Robert Malone actually said on his sub stack, he said, it's not like I have a million dollar year sub stack, right? He's kind of pushing back at the idea that he might be a grifter using this for personal gain. This was actually one of the moments that decreased my level of trust with him. Because six months ago, my wife and I were sitting at lunch with he and Jill Malone when uh, one of them, I can't remember who, I think it was Jill, um, told us that at that time they were bringing in $50,000 a month, $600,000 a year from their sub stack. So if, if it was that, then I don't know what it might be now, 750, 800,000. So for him to say, it's not like I'm, I'm making a million dollars off the sub stack seems like splitting hairs. It's a very, very healthy income. Um, and, and, and you know what? I, I don't, uh, I don't begrudge them that uh, if, 
you know, if the information that he is, um, that they, I'll say they, because I'm, I'm 99% positive that both of them write in that Substack. I think Jill actually does more of the writing, but I don't know for sure. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't begrudge anyone for, for writing a book, writing a Substack, uh, making a living doing it. Um, I do think that, that, they have veered very far outside of their expertise and a lot of the things that I think they would provide value for. And that, um, and that, you know, if they are genuine, uh, I think that they need to be, uh, um, better vetting their relationships and all of the things that they are promoting. So I want to take a step back a little bit. I think I've said that this was December, 2021 a couple of times, but this is actually October 2021. I just want to explain. Uh, I spoke to the Honolulu City Council, as did Robert Malone, in uh, mid-October of 2021. I was asked to come in. I was told, um, you know, you, you probably shouldn't speak about hydroxychloroquine, even though I, this is with um, a politician who asked me to speak, somebody who's on the City Council in Hawaii. She, um, you know, she said, um, you know, I, I know that that's, that's where you would, you know, want to, to speak, but, um, you know, understand that we don't have the political climate at which they're going to listen to you. So what can you speak on? And I said, okay, well, let's do um, simple solutions like vitamins and, you know, opening a window so that a virus, uh, you know, has uh, as much disinfectant of sunlight and the air can circulate and all that kind of stuff. I'm bringing this meeting up because, um, I was there and uh, got to listen to Robert Malone, who spoke two speakers before me. And what he told the Honolulu City Council was, uh, these vaccines are working as expected. And it's unclear exactly what he meant by that. Um, but I took it as they were effective. Now, it, it feels to me like when I look at things that Robert Malone said in 2021, those very mixed message. But I've been told, I haven't seen the actual post, I've been told in 2020 that Joe Malone was, was sort of lobbying at the time uh, for her husband to be considered like one of the saviors of the world, that that, that was the way that, uh, you know, the mRNA vaccines were were being, uh, being viewed. Maybe it was 2021. Um, yeah, I, I guess maybe that was early 2021. Uh, Joe Malone was was, you know, still seemed to be pro mRNA vaccine. Um, you know, I don't know exactly uh, what their pathway was to not trusting it throughout 2021 and 2022, um, but it was certainly not immediate. And and to me, this would like, you know, if, if I were a scientist, I would say, look, I got beat on this. You know, uh, we had this warp speed thing and and I was thinking that mRNA was going to work. I think there are a lot of reasons why we should not have. And in fact, Robert Malone was who told me that they that for the trials, they skipped the process of validating that the proxy test, the PCR, worked the same amongst vaccinated, non-vaccinated individuals. In other words, we do not know if sensitivity and specificity for those PCR tests, which were used to judge efficacy, um, we don't know if those were the same in the two arms. So he should have, you know, somebody, an expert at his level, I think he should have been, um, you know, if he wants, um, you know, the kind of trust that might put him at the head of the NIH. And I think that that's what I think there's a political battle behind the scenes between um, Malone and McCullough 
to try to get one of them into a position to be head of one of these public health organizations or, or you know, either or both or something. I've actually talked to a lawyer who was working on a plan that involved a you know, turnkey replacement of a lot of public health officials, which may be a very good thing, but I think we should also consider very strongly the possibility that in all this pandemonium, that it was understood that things were going to go wrong and that there would be a need to, ins to insert uh, operatives in place to be able to uh, take control of leadership, to become leaders as quickly as possible, and that they would be pushed by media that was set up to push them and give them as much attention as possible so that they could become the new heads of these agencies and continue mostly business as usual. That's my fear, right? I think, and and whether or not that's true, I can't make an accusation against either Malone or McCullough. And, uh, you know, my point is we should be asking the question and studying all the details to understand if either of them could be something like that, right? Something like, you know, if I were running this giant operation and I didn't know whether or not mRNA vaccines were going to work, or if I knew that they were going to be unhealthy for people, I would absolutely for an operation this large i would absolutely have people prepared to step in and grab as much attention as possible this is part of the reason why i i don't trust steve kirsch at all and you know the, steve kirsch is a guy who was sort of raised um in an environment where he was you know brought into and viewing the results of darpa really it was arpa at the time they didn't have the d the defense associated with it same group right um yeah, uh, he, he was an ARPA boy. <laughs> um, and, and I think that a lot of the things that he's done and said are just kind of, you know, uh, incongruous ever since. And he, he, you know, Steve Kirsch is one of the people who brought Malone in to sort of promote him as this figure. So when I view the two of them and I view, you know, any reason I have that has built up over time, and there are a lot of them, why I don't see them as particularly trustworthy individuals, I, I, I do mingle that judgment together because they mingled themselves together and created these uh, very large audiences, which by the way, when you think about it, uh, I think the two of them have probably 2 million email addresses between them from their sub stacks, give or take. Don't know the exact number. I know Steve Kirsch's was already over a million um, going into 2023. He told me so, and I believe him. Um, and, and given, given the relative amounts of, of money, I bet the Malones are probably not too far from that number, probably in the high hundreds of thousands. Now I bet it's over 2 million emails. Some of them overlap. Sure. But that's a lot of potential data harvesting, right? If there were ever going to be anything like a hundred flowers movement. So, you know, looking at these guys trying to, um, assert themselves in leadership and hold Bobby Kennedy's ear, hold his attention. Uh, try to steer him as to, you know, what possibly to do. And I, I do think he has a reasonable chance of winning the presidency. But I, you know, I want to point out that that the press from this this uh, presentation of the Honolulu City Council, one, <laughs> they didn't spell my name right. And this is this has actually been a, a constant theme throughout the pandemic. I think that that people in even the alt media don't want people to hear my name, to know my name, to find me. Uh, which has been very interesting because uh, I think they're worried that I do take a dispassionate uh, view to analyze everything. Um, but you can see that the way, uh, let's see, Honolulu City Council 
chair Tommy Waters blasted several speakers for promoting what he called dangerous views. So um, where Robert Malone said that, uh, you know, the vaccines were working as expected, what he was saying is we shouldn't give them to children. That's what he was saying during the Honolulu City Council meeting. But you know, here the press, it it dismisses me almost entirely. By the way, I'm the person that that waters. He actually had a freak out at, uh, you know, my, my talk got cut off because too much time was taken in front of me for me to give my whole presentation. But he just he just started freaking out over me saying that uh, that it might be good for people to make sure they don't have vitamin deficiencies. It might be good for people to, you know, be in the sunlight and get their vitamin D, keep a window open in order to help with this aerosolized virus thing, right? Like, you know, he, he, he freaked out and called that dangerous, but uh, Robert Malone gets credit for having been critical of the vaccine's effectiveness, which isn't what I heard um, during that discussion. So now, um, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, at, at the beginning, I played the video with um, Aaron Olszewski. Uh, she's the, you know, she trained as propaganda operations group specialist within the military at Fort Bragg, uh, which is where they do that kind of, you know, propaganda and really mind control research, like group mind control type stuff. Uh, that's where you have the remote viewing program and Jim Channing's program, which gets gets um, sold as studying the paranormal. But, you know, when, when you look at like General Stubblebine's own words, he was talking about creating super soldiers who could become invisible and walk through walls. Right. I know people want to say, oh, but there's evidence that remote viewing works. And I've seen, I, you know, I participated in those experiments and saw falsification of, of evidence. Um, but really and truly, you know, take General Stubblebine's words to heart. Pass through walls, become invisible. This is about people inserting themselves into groups, passing through that wall, that barrier, that trust barrier of a community and becoming invisible right? Being able to make their actual self invisible, but just being able to um, kind of steer this avatar. And this avatar can be, you know, pushed by the media. And that's actually what most of fifth generation warfare is all about, is it doesn't even matter what you do and say, you have people in the background tinkering with it, with, um, and James Corbett did a really good uh, uh, report on this. Um, a few weeks ago, he showed how uh, the John F. Kennedy tapes about uh, his speech to the press club in Washington, D.C., how, it, how it's been manipulated and sold as like he was already talking about going after the deep state and the Illuminati or whatever. And, and that's not really what it was. But you can take almost anything that people say and have people in the background arranging it in whatever way that they want in order to create a message, in order to, you know, engineer it out of thin air. So. You know, right here, this is somebody, this is not my research. This is somebody who kind of followed the tracks of Aaron Olszewski. And, and by the way, um, in, in the bottom right, you see some pictures. Um, that's Aaron Olszewski, uh, who is, you know, filming Lee Dundas. And that's the same Lee Dundas who was at uh, the January 6th, 2021 Capitol event telling people, and this is not a, this is almost a direct quote, but you should go and watch the video, track down that video. I've actually got it on one of my Stu Peters articles in a link um, where she said something like where we, we'd be within our rights to, to drag those people out back and hang them and shoot them. Talking about the lawmakers. 
So almost a direct quote, but you can listen to it yourself. So, um, you know, what's going on here? You know, we've got propaganda operation group person who has been living in Scientology centers of the country, who is already in early or, you know, or, or, uh, sorry, mid 2019. This is during the SB 276 bill fight. Um, you know, taking part in activism with Lee Dundas, who had just asserted, inserted herself into the medical freedom movement. And you can see Lee Dundas, by the way, the person to uh, Lee Dundas's right hand, uh, long, dark hair in white, um, that's Carolina Benita. And person further to her right, on our left, is a guy named Jonathan Lockwood, whom I believe it is certain that he is a Scientologist. I, I, I've been told by people who have researched him that he is and you know he's he's been all over medical freedom movement stuff um and, and you never know who's who right like just because somebody is associated or they've taken pictures together doesn't necessarily mean they're working together but uh jonathan lockwood seems to have have wanted to insert himself around del big tree um don't know exactly what that means but you know you know looking at this group uh this is very very interesting that they've inserted themselves and you can see something that's similar between uh, Carolina Benita uh, that she says Carolina Galvan in the upper left hand corner her actual name is Patricia Rodriguez but she has multiple aliases that she uses in all of this which is interesting but she kind of presents herself on media with these glamour shot photos right and Aaron Olszewski does the same thing but then when you see them present themselves like in person they take much more humble demure appearances to promote themselves right so it's like you know sexy as as they can make it when when that works best and as humble as they can make it when that works best so there's a lot going on there but both of these women are attached to lee dundas and robert malone is supposedly um combative with one but very trusting of the other so um yeah all this stuff is pretty interesting set of relationships here um, and if you go through the social media feeds, there's just, there's so much virtue signaling. There's so much just, you know, um, I'm on your side over and over again. It doesn't take a whole lot of work to create that appearance, but like here's Lee Dundas, Carolina Benita, Ben Marble with, um, Senator Johnson. I believe that was right after the Senator Johnson hearing in January of 2022. And this is important to me because I looked at the information that was given in that hearing and I thought, well, the DOD's one-line explanation of there being a glitch in the DMED database and the, you know, mil in the military health database, that's just too brief, right? This is a major, major controversy. To not take it more seriously than that, excuse me, to not take it more seriously than that um, just seems irresponsible. But again, I think it's just a matter of, you know, not making commitments to information. Whereas the information that was presented, I didn't think it seemed right either. It wasn't what I was seeing in any data that I saw, but it was Robert Malone who asked me to look over the data. You know, what's going on with the, with the data. And when I found, look, you know, neither side appears to be right, but it, there's a little bit of a complex story and we need to figure out what happened when they had a server migration that lost some of the data at least temporarily, that would have been used to make these calculations. And I, I called Robert Malone and I told him uh, mid-February about my findings. Uh, and he never 
never backed me up. And that was a weird project to begin with. When Robert Malone first called me on February 8th of last year and asked me if I would work on the data, he said, look, um, you know, I, I, I'd like for you to be able to work with somebody like, you know, Nick Hudson or Jessica Rose, but this is U.S. military data. And so, you know, I don't want to ask a non-American in. But then immediately I was put in a group and asked to work with uh, Jessica Rose, um, not by Robert Malone, but by somebody else whom I didn't even know if if this other group had permissions to be working on the project or what was going on. But I made the decision not to work with Jessica in this email group that had been put together. It was, it was a very weird situation, but you know, I didn't want to cross any legal lines. But it turned out that all those queries were unclassified. And nobody told me that for the longest time, for like several weeks, right? I was just focused on the data. But I wasn't told all these queries are unclassified, so anybody can look at them. You know, people in China can look at them. Right. So, but when I found my findings, Robert Malone never pushed them, never uh, said, hey, look, Matthew figured out, uh, hey, what's going on here? While it was that Lee Dundas and Thomas Rince and other people were out promoting the old story, the false story, which has been promoted now for more than a year, including by, and I presented this in a previous video, including by propaganda operation group accounts run out of Fort Bragg. That's very, very interesting right there. So is Robert Malone somebody who is participating willingly or not, uh, knowingly or not, in this propaganda operation campaign with, the, with these propaganda operation group folks, these propagandists? Um, if he's going to be a leader, he needs to know that, right? He needs to know who his associates are. And this isn't the only time that I've found, uh, you know, troubling things about his associates um, The you know, uh, he actually called me screaming mad in January. And I'll tell you about this. When I was publishing my articles on Stu Peters, which he originally loved, he then started promoting my sub stack. But in the fourth article, I think it was, I mentioned that, um, that he was in business with people in Puerto Rico whom I had good information. I still believe my, my intelligence on this. We're also working with Carolina Benita. <clears throat> and I think that there is a very... Uh, there's a, there's a serious effort to make it look like they're not working together, right? But the co the global COVID summit people, Carolina Benita started working with them, and they even say she got access to a bunch of the data, you know, to um, the doctors and scientists who were signing the statement of the global COVID summit as as, as it was presented in Rome. I was also told by some of the truckers that Carolina Benita was calling into James Heckman, who runs a roundtable media, asking him for advice on a situation about how to get, um, you know, my pillow pillows across the border to Canadian truckers. So it's weird that there would be like this conflict there, but that she would be calling in to work with them. And of course, Carolina Benita, you know, she's right there pictured with Lee Dundas. Lee Dundas seemed to also be working with the guys in Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico. And I know a lot more about the situation than I can explain right now. But when I just putting one line into the Stu Peters article saying that um, saying that uh, Stu Peters may want to consider the fact that he's that he's getting support from same people, you know, the same people who also seem to be supporting Robert Malone um, was enough for Robert to call me at 830 in the morning, just screaming into the phone. And it was, it was unfortunate too. I actually had uh, three days of really terrible migraine and that was the first of the three days. I had like two hours of sleep and here's Robert like screaming into the phone. I tried to calm the conversation down, you know, tried to, um, you know, 
change the subject and then be able to work back into it. But he, he wanted me to release the name of my source, who is somebody who's terrified. You know, this is somebody who feels like their life is at stake for information that they've been um, passing to uh, me and I believe one other person who is absolutely terrified that these people in Puerto Rico will kill them, right? And and here he is, he's, he's demanding that I give up that name to him. So I have a lot of reasons. I have a lot of reasons not to give Robert Pallone easy trust, but really and truly at this point, I just, I distrust him. Uh, you know, at the very least, there seems to be so much about this that he is either ignoring or um, not talking about, even though it's highly, highly important. And I mentioned, um, you know, Clearwater, um, this person right here, Rajiv Narang, uh, at least according to documents that I read that seem to be straight out of Scientology, um, you know, uh, documentation, uh, he was involved in uh, one of the audits of Lee Dundas. But I, I mostly just want to point out that this is somebody in Clearwater Beach who seems to be involved in Scientology just because, you know, he's in the banking sector, right? That And, and Clearwater Beach, by the way, the banks there, the reason they have twice as many banks per capita as other cities in the nation is because they were, uh, you know, those banks did a whole lot of drug money laundering. It goes all the way back to, you know, the Mena, Arkansas days with the CIA helping the cartels do a lot of drug running. And then the banks there, um, they lined up on the beach to take suitcases of money over the counter, right? So um, do I think Scientology is involved in that? <laughs> you know, you have this very secretive organization that has all these people in Clearwater Beach. Um, do I think that they have enough information about that? Yeah, you know, I knew about what was going in Clearwater Beach when I was a 21 year old on Wall Street. If I did, Church of Scientology in Clearwater definitely does. So. I, I bring that up just to point out, you know, people should be examining what these relationships are. If if Robert Malone isn't aware, he should be making himself aware. And uh, I'm going to kind of go through this just a little bit quickly right here. You know, this is people have investigated, you know, connections between the CIA and um, or, or, you know, U.S. intelligence in general. And um, Scientology. But let's remember that L. Ron Hubbard was a member of the US military. Uh, his, his whole Sea Org thing, he was a Navy guy. So the whole Sea Org thing really came from, from that background and that experience. And um, it's noteworthy that once uh, Scientology had <coughs> the tax break from the IRS, which took place, you know, that was negotiated in a very secret meeting in I think 1993, that in the 1990s, European nations governments of European nations began to think that the U.S. was actually trying to infiltrate Europe and hamstring Europe using cults and specifically Scientology and had the Scientology headquarters raided in a lot of places, Moscow, Athens, Germany, and Germany, they kicked them out completely, right? But, um, you know, there were documents found in Athens that linked uh, Scientology to the CIA. And of course, there's always like the, the mysterious 16th star in the U.S. intelligence community's seal. There are only 15 intelligence agencies, so Scientology, the uh, the 16th, and, you know, look at the eight-point star. I'm going to back up just a minute. The eight-point star, eight-point star, what do you see at the top? You, you may not be able to tell, you know, what's up at the top of, of flag, 
the headquarters, uh, the Scientology headquarters in Florida, but it looks like a cross. May, may think uh, Christian and inviting, but if you look in the middle, there's an extra X there. It's kind of Xing out the cross. So it kind of looks Christian, you know, uh, up front, but you've got an eight-pointed star overall. And, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I don't want to get too serious about the, the symbolism right there, but it, it's what we have to be looking at. There's a Here's the document pulled from Athens. It talks about uh, the CIA aiding Scientology for whatever reason. But, you know, once, once Scientology had uh, tax-exempt status, the State Department started pushing them. That actually, it, it frees up the hand of the State Department to push them. So, you know, just a reminder, between doing all the work that Lee Dundas has done during the medical freedom movement, after the uh, January... 2021 Capitol, the, the insurgents at the Capitol, the riots at the Capitol. So ridiculous. I mean, it, it, the whole thing just really looks like it was organized by intelligence and, um, and, you know, police who I don't think that they even knew what they were participating in for the most part, but <clears throat> really looks like some kind of an intelligence operation. She was there and she was right outside the doors, but instead of going in, she stood outside, but it looks like she's looking around as if like coordinating with people. That's my opinion. I'd say, you know, go, go track down those videos. Maybe I'll, I'll do a broader show just on that one day. Um, and let's remember that Steve Kirsch told me he didn't know who Lee Dundas was, but this is a screenshot from his phone. Uh, I was told specifically by people who were in meetings with him and Lee Dundas that she was running those meetings and that he was coming every week. But when I asked him about her, he, he claimed not to know who she was. And there she is in his phone and looks like in a pretty tight chat group with people that I know are close with Steve. <clears throat> in the meantime, you know, I, I'm not just picking on people around Bobby Kennedy Jr. And, and by the way, I don't know if I'll vote for him or not. I'm, I'm you know, th this is not a partisan political hour for me. Uh, in general, what I would like to see is for you know, the NIH and the FDA to be broken into pieces, decentralized, put most of that power in the hands of the states, uh, do more to coordinate between communities to have a network, a true decentralized network. And Robert Malone says he wants you know decentralized networking, even seems to start promoting Bitcoin and that kind of stuff. But his whole, you know, I uh, have to get trust in order to give trust. No, that's that's not the way game theory works in the Bitcoin community. The whole thing about Bitcoin is that it's trying to solve the prisoner's dilemma, a specific version of it called the Byzantine general's problem, which is solved by having third parties who don't know each other validate what goes on in the network. So what he should be saying, if he believes in decentralization, is uh, your trust in me should be based on independent people doing a deep dive into my history. You know, he should be saying, in order to trust me, I need to be able to answer any questions that George Webb has, who is researching Malone's background as far as uh, uh, biomarker, you know, work on biomarkers, which seems like a very totalitarian form of data gathering, and uh, an aerosolization of particles, right? This is what makes anthrax so bad, by the way. You know, the anthrax, anthrax that like cows have out in the field uh, doesn't necessarily like just harm and kill everything that, that it infects, right? What makes anthrax uh, deadly specifically is where you get this air, you know, this purified aerosolized version of it. 
And, you know, what we were told at the outset of this pandemic was uh, what's different about this virus is the aerosolization. And we have, uh, you know, the Project Veritas story, which um, brought up this woman, Sarah Wu, uh, Shuang Wu, I believe, um, who has has a patent on aerosolization technology. And she was at Biogen and uh, and she was uh, Tristan Walker's um, uh, senior um, maybe his boss is what it looks like with Pfizer and Boston Consulting Group. So, you know, all, all those connections together, consider it. But here's, you know, Carolina Benita promoting Ron DeSantis, who, interestingly, it's another Navy connection, Navy SEAL right there. Just throwing that out there. We should be thinking about these things. I personally have felt like he's been doing a whole lot of double speak, a lot of double talk. I don't trust him. You know, I, I don't know uh, if... You know, maybe maybe he could win my trust, but it does feel like there's been a lot going on in Florida that was uh, very game playing. And I've seen, you know, Robert Malone at those, you know, those sort of public broadcasts where you've got, you know, Lapido or whoever Florida people in front of the camera and then all the all the screens behind them. It looks very uh, 1984, in my opinion, but <clears throat> Um, you know, it, there seems to be some sort of split, like partisan, like let's advertise and promote in both the partisan communities and perfect our um, virtue signaling to those communities by people that I suspect, uh, e either I know or I suspect are part of these, you know, propaganda operation groups. By the way, um, on, on Twitter, uh, I asked Carolina Benita uh, very directly about... Um, uh, you know, having been kicked out of the trucker's convoy by the lead and, and still following them along and being uh, pulled over in a car with a trunk full of guns. And uh, her answer was, <clears throat> I've already answered all the lies about me or something like this. Somebody, I've already answered all the lies. I wasn't carrying any guns, but that wasn't the question. It was, were you in a car that had a whole bunch of guns? Was the driver arrested? I think the answer to that story is just a big yes at this point, given the way she's dodged it over the past several days. And just a reminder lie detector tests appeared to be used in military intelligence to sift for psychopaths. Wrote an article about this. You can go back and take a look at this uh, from back in November 11th. Why am I bringing this up again? Because the polygraph test is essentially the same thing as the thetan meter, the e-meter that Scientologists use in their audits. Well, that's very interesting, isn't it? That, that's very, very interesting. Just going to leave it there. Um, you know, my opinion is, uh, look, if we wanted to centralize power, it doesn't matter what we think about Robert Malone anyway. What we need is for somebody to go in and break up the centralized power centers in government. If Bobby Kennedy says he'll do that, even, even if, by the way, I think he's absurd on climate change. Like he said, so, I can't remember what he said, but maybe he said something like, like people who don't believe in climate change shouldn't be able to vote. There's some quote that's just like really awful. That's so like that, like, like that's the logic we're fighting against in this other, you know, medical freedom movement. Like he, he's, it seems to be tied to, to the same logic, one place where he's fighting it in another. And I think that uh, the climate change stuff could very easily be used as the similar lever lever <clears throat> for bringing us into a more totalitarian world. I do think all that's going to fail, but it's really important that it fails because we educate ourselves. We educate ourselves first and we're able to take appropriate action. We need to decentralize. We don't need to wait 
for you know whether or not he's the white knight right we we don't need to wait for the right person to get elected and the the right person to be pushed up you know into position at the nih uh everyone needs to tell anyone who is running um if if you don't support the decentralization the the you know drawing back the breaking up of all these highly moneyed power lanes that give the possibility of people who have that technology and have that control in our government, the ability to do things like create you know, pandemics or false pandemics or semi-false pandemics, right? I think there's a lot of nuance and complexity going on in there. You know, I, I, I still leave an open mind to exactly how much of this was, um, you know, how, how much of the illness was uh, stuff that was, you know, people getting ill for other reasons. And it being marked, you know, check in a box, COVID, we have a PCR test, check in a box. Um, but it's not, but not the disease itself. But I think that JJ Cooley may be right that, that uh, you know, infectious clones or virus-like particles or something could have been used to seed illness in some places, right? You have the Biogen super spreader event. You have Michael Callahan, Callahan um, who is you know, friends with Robert Malone being in Wuhan and then suspiciously in Singapore, which... Everywhere in Southeast Asia kind of dodged SARS-CoV-2 between China and Singapore at the time. And then he's coming back to China by a route that may have involved the Diamond Princess. Like, there, there's so much weirdness there. You know, we, we may have a few events where people were made sick by some sort of a release. And then and then the rest of it gets made up. It gets made up in the hospitals with, with PCR tests. It gets made up by, um, gosh, you know, maybe even like, you know, people's insecurity over illness you know, make people feel so panicked. Um, but you know what, like, I, I bring up a lot of weighty questions here. A lot of these are just explorations. Don't have my mind made up about some of them. The important thing is that we educate ourselves, right? We have conversations, we don't depend on someone telling us what conversation to have. We don't depend on someone telling us who, who we're supposed to trust. Right. And if this unity movement thing like like th this is absolutely wrongheaded, you know, ideas in science doesn't really have to be science in general. Um, people should be open to debate all the time um, in regards to any power that you're going to hand them, especially. Right. I'm, so I've, I've had a lot of information up on my screens. I haven't really looked in the chat. I'm going to look through the chat now, see. Um, see if there are any questions. Um, if you've dropped a question, you know, 10, 15 uh, points back or something, um, go ahead and ask it again. I'm going to spend a few minutes here before I close things up. I'm also going to mention, uh, you know, in the Locals channel, um, uh, I don't know if somebody can, if you can find the link and drop it in chat here for me. It would be appreciated. There's an hour-long video that it's too long for me to put on StreamYard. It's too you know, too too big of a file for me to upload to StreamYard and just play, but it's it's uh it's about Scientologists getting real close to major church leaders in the United States, and you know possibly infiltrating and and getting control over or influence into, and the way that we have seen churches mishandle the pandemic, the way that we've seen them mishandle the public health responses, I think that we should be vetting all of these relationships. And trying to understand them as best as we can. Uh, let's see. Any concerns with DeSantis being involved with the Pilgrim Society? Um, I don't really know 
anything about the Pilgrim Society, except superficial level. I haven't heard this conversation about DeSantis Pilgrim Society, so maybe somebody can send me a link. Uh, I hold all of it lightly. We will be shocked and disappointed, no doubt about it, but truth will prevail. Evil interest will be exposed. You know, and and maybe, maybe not. Like, I I think that I'm still optimistic that we are actually about to leave a dark age, not inner one. And that a lot of the projection of, you know, darkness in the media is to, is to make us look for a false leader to give our power to. Uh, and in fact, even, you know, there's debate over Desmet's book. By the way, I, I'm going to, um, I need to do this right now. I meant to do it while I was working on the slideshow. There's a writer out there and she does videos in addition to her to her posts named Teresa uh, Garagio. I, th- I think I'm saying, I don't know if I'm saying that right or not. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, she writes The Third Paradigm, I think is what she calls her substack. Um, she's got uh, some good articles and videos discussing some of what I just discussed. Um, we have some subset of overlap. I think she has a pretty good view of trust in general. Um, I think what she's saying makes makes a lot of sense. Uh, there we go, thirdparadigm.substack.com in the Rumble chat. Um, I'd, I'd like to point people there. Um, what, what was I, why was I doing that? Sorry, uh, kind of looking and reading, get a little mind loss sometime. Um, don't have it in my notes here. Uh, I'm going to try to have her on sometime. Uh, I, I just emailed her, see if she would uh, join us sometime. Um, but she 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 takes some other information and approaches, uh, you know, the trust questions. And uh, but I think she has a good view of decentralization and and what that means. But I guess um, I was talking about whether or not we're entering a dark age or leaving one. Uh, one of the most interesting relation, one of the most interesting analogies that I've come up with during the pandemonium is um, that we are heading toward uh, perhaps a metamorphosis. And one of the three great epic writers, you know, probably everybody knows Homer, right? Who wrote the, who wrote the Iliad. And um, what else did he write? Uh, the, the Odyssey, and the Iliad. Uh, one of the other great epic writers was named Ovid. And he was writing right about the time of, of Christ. Uh, he was writing about a metamorphosis that had taken place before that time, uh, maybe like the end of the Bronze Age era, but it was a time when centralized governments had lost their central power control and authority and relationship with the people, and that there was chaos that happened afterward. But then maybe following chaos is a more enlightened age. I think there's a very good chance that that's what we're entering and that that's actually part of the messaging perhaps, right? Ovid's metamorphosis, COVID, COVID's metamorphosis. I mean, like there, I, I, I have a hard time believing this is pure coincidence. Um, you know, we, we need to think through how it is that we would handle chaos. We need to think through it ourselves without having to think about trust in a leader, we need to think about what we would do within our communities, uh, educational outreach in order to get people on a page 
where they understand how how much we've been set against each other unnecessarily and how it is to you know uh, build trust back um you know in a, in a better way locally matt you briefly mentioned u.s funded mao's communist revolution one time i'd love to hear you expand on this more oh that's patrick hurley um you know for now i'm just going to say you know look up patrick hurley he worked for the state department i think he was later a senator completely changed his uh, stated outlook on the world when he became a senator it's a very interesting study in are these people just actors right but when when it was that mao and chiang kai-shek were in relative parity to one another um patrick hurley funded mao and he made it look like like it, the official story is he was going to offer money to both right but he gave the money to mao first and then mao released this embarrassing Chiang Kai-shek, who was offended and didn't want U.S. help anyway. What Chiang Kai-shek wanted was for China to have its own republic, for China to um, to be uh, you know, self, self-led, self-guided from beginning to end. So it, was, so it was an insult to Chiang Kai-shek. And he didn't trust the U.S. after that. And I think that was the point. I think that the U.S. wanted to fund Mao to push Chiang Kai-shek out to Taiwan. And I think that's how Mao took over. And I think that was a U.S. constructed moment. The, and, and part of the point is, is that you have to have really good epistemology about what you decide to believe. Even that story that I just explained with, with you know, Patrick Hurley, I think that, that we should take all of history with a grain of salt, put together as many facts as we can, but very much look for facts that, that contradict the narrative, that give another perspective on the possible way things can happen, whether it's JP Morgan funding what turned out to be the, the winners in the Bolshevik circles, or um, the US State Department funding Mao, or cigarette companies funding Mao later on. Um, you know, there's a whole lot going on there. So be skeptical, do your own research, don't put too much stock in any one person. And don't put too much stock in media that looks like it's pushing one person. I think that the propaganda operation groups are are uh, successfully controlling uh, the the lion's share of the media that's going on in the medical freedom movement. People are being pushed toward a few names, and I think that this is with purpose. And we see these relationships between, you know, Robert Malone and somebody who is you know pog trained. Uh, and, and that connects really, it connects to Dr. McCullough also, right? Um, Carolina Benita, she's been doing, she's been up to some crazy stuff. Everybody should be watching and figuring this out as best as possible and not just taking, trust me for an answer. That's a used car salesman's answer. You know, if you wouldn't trust a used car salesman for, you know, um, for what they're telling you about a cheap automobile, you shouldn't trust people who are telling you about a much more expensive future. That's where I'm going to leave things for now. Thanks for joining me. Um, greatly appreciate your support. If you're watching this for the first time, uh, please subscribe, you know, hit the subscribe button. I don't say this very often, um, but you know, it, it, it helps us out. It helps us um, have better conversations, right? The more people, you know, are here talking with us, uh, the more people get a chance to think through and, you know, you know what? All I can ask is that they consider my point of view. Uh, they can consider Robert Malone's point of view or Steve Kirsch's or, you know, uh, 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 Peter McCullough or Bobby Kennedy. Um, 
And yeah, I appreciate all of you who are showing up and who are doing your best to think through it. And I know that we we probably have disagreements on a number of things and that's the way it works, right? Uh, and we can celebrate that. We're all individuals. We don't have to concentrate too much power in any one location. That's about all I have to say about that. Thank you.